Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. This morning. You know, there's a lot of things in life that can frustrate us. And I just got to get something off my chest this morning. You think, uh oh, uh oh, what's going on? I said that to get your attention. I got your attention. You know, one of my big frustrations in life is those paper coffee filters. (laughs) You know, 3,000 in a box about that big. You know what I'm talking about? Is that the most maddening thing you can deal with? There's times I'm trying to separate them and share and say, calm down, calm down, calm down. You know, you you try to peel them apart and you get down, okay, is that one or is that three? Do I hear any amens? Or am I the only one that deals with that? And then you get down to two and then, okay, I don't know if that's two or one, and you dare not waste one by using two. So I'm trying to pinch it and roll the paper and and then I get a knife out of the drawer and I don't know if that's one or two and I put it in and hope to goodness it's not two, you know, wanting to be a good steward. That, That frustrates me. And Sharon has had to tell me, calm down, calm down. And what I will do now, I try to limit the frustration to one time. I don't go in at one time and then mess with all that stuff. Sharon will see me there standing at the counter for a half hour. Okay, there's one, there's two, there's another. I'll do like 50 of them. Anybody else there with me? Or am I the only one? I guess I'm the only weird person around, but yeah, that frustrates me. And, you know, we, we, we have enough frustrations in life without having to, to deal with that. But an area that's critical, where frustrations come and it can be serious, It's in the area of finances. And through this series, if you will listen and learn and change perhaps the way you do things, you can have financial peace. You don't have to have that kind of frustration. You don't have to have financial anxiety. And thankfully, the Bible has a lot to say. Oh, by the way, it's good to have Tom and Sandy back. Well, it's good to have Sandy. Oh, Tom. Tom's up there. All righty. Good to have them back. They've been in Phoenix for six weeks or so, and very excited to see them back. But anyway, one of the basic principles about financial peace is to learn to live within your means. One of the reasons so many couples or individuals have financial anxiety is because they live outside their means. When you want financial counsel, the best financial counsel... Turn to the Bible. And if there's one thing the Bible warns us against, is desiring things that we can't afford. But buying them anyway, and then living with the stress of a bad decision. That's actually addressed in Proverbs chapter 23. We'll begin reading in verse number 1. That's what this is talking about. And aren't you glad the Bible has a lot to say about money? You listen to what the Bible says, you're going to be so much better off. Listen to what it says here in verse number 1. When thou sittest to eat with a ruler, and we would assume a rich ruler, consider diligently what is before thee, and put a knife to thy throat, 
If thou be a man given to appetite, if, you, if you're the kind of person you, you want what you see, you have that kind of appetite, the warning is be not desirous of his dainties, of his luxuries, for they are deceitful meat. He goes on to say, verse number four, labor not to be rich, Cease from thine own wisdom. No, you don't have it figured out. You think you have it figured out. Unless you're doing your finances according to God's plan, you do not have it figured out. So cease from thine own wisdom. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle towards heaven. And then he says the last two verses, verses 6 and 7. Eat thou not the bread of him that hath an evil eye, neither desire thou his dainty meats, his his luxuries, if you will. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart, this rich person, is not with thee. To understand these verses this morning is going to put you in a much better position than not have anxiety over finances, but to have peace. Money's important. Zig Ziglar, you've heard of him, no doubt. I love this quote. Money isn't the most important thing in life, but it's reasonably close to oxygen on the gotta have it scale. <laughs> Isn't that true? It's not the most important thing in life. But the, the, the point he's making here is you've got to have oxygen to breathe, to live. Reality in our society, you've got to have money in order to get by and to, to have the necessities that you need in life. That is the reality of life. But the passage we just read is talking about the temptation to live beyond your means. And that's why we are warned. That when you are around people that have much or rich or, you know, all the toys and all the fineries of life, it says, don't be desirous of those. Don't, don't let your eyes get like saucers thinking that you have to have them. And he warns because riches are deceitful. You think that's what you need to be happy and the Bible is telling us that you don't. So here's the point of the message this morning in a nutshell. When you live beyond your means, you acquire dainties that only the rich can afford. So you go into debt and then you experience financial anxiety. To have financial peace, you must live within your means. It is that simple. You must live within your means. I like this quote. This one person explains why people have trouble today. He says, living beyond your means is pretty easy to do these days, especially since we live in a time when buying on credit and having a you-only-live-once mentality has become the norm. But just because it seems normal doesn't mean you aren't doing a real disservice to your current and future well-being. And that is so true. It is not sufficient to say, well, everybody else does it. No, everybody else is in trouble. And everybody else is experiencing tremendous financial anxiety, which, thankfully, you can avoid. 
these are some points made by Dave Ramsey himself. I, I took them from him, give him credit. Problems caused by debt. He listed a lot of them. I'm just going to mention several of them here. I'll go through them quickly. There are real problems when you get into debt. By debt, we mean an unsustainable debt, which we'll get to in a second. Number one, debt costs money. Debt feels free when you're swiping your card or signing loan documents, but it's not free at all. Number two, problems caused by debt. Debt is borrowing from your future income. Anytime you take out a loan or charge something on your credit card, you're actually borrowing from the money you hope to earn in the future. Next, debt can lead to stress and serious medical problems. When you have debt, it's hard not to worry about how you're going to make your payments or how you'll keep from taking on more debt to make ends meet. Next, debt can hurt your marriage. Debt can spark arguments. Who's, who's creating the debt? How much debt is too much? And who's responsible for the debt that's accumulated? That can be a real issue uh, in families. And then debt can cause you to cheat God of tithes and offerings. Debt causes us to reason that it's okay to temporarily, you know, that's all you entail. We're just going to temporarily not give or tithe. Those are all real problems. Those are all real problems for anybody that lives beyond their means. And it just may be this morning you've never been taught that, or it may be you just haven't thought about it. So the Lord lays it on my heart to go to Proverbs, the passage we're looking at in Proverbs chapter 23, to remind us all of the dangers of debt. Now, Understand this, because some of this, and I've said this in past messages, some of this is nuance, and you have to pay close attention. There are different kinds of debt. Sustainable debt, debt that you can afford, that you have planned for, that you can afford, isn't a problem. It's the unsustainable debt that is the problem. Debt that you can't afford where you get into a hole and you can't pay your bills. That is an unsustainable debt. Well, some people say, well, the Bible teaches you shouldn't have any debt. You you should never take out a loan. Have any of you ever heard anybody say that? I've heard people say that all the time. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible warns against unsustainable debt, going in over your head, borrowing more than you can afford. I know of businessmen that, that borrow, but they've got it planned out. They know what they're doing, and they, they pay their debts, and it all works out. But too often, just couples, through impulse buying or just trying to keep up with other people, they buy things they can't afford, and therefore they're having to borrow from Peter to pay Paul, and, it, and they can't pay this note, or we, we're behind three payments on this. That's an unsustainable debt. The, the Bible does teach in Romans 13, 8, Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Now it says, owe no man anything. That, what that means is be current. Okay, you, you can make a loan as long as you're current, but when you owe him, in other words, you are behind, then that's a problem. That's an unsustainable debt. So the Bible doesn't teach that borrowing any time for any reason is, is wrong necessarily as long as you can afford it. And that's a nuance you need to understand. I like what this commentator said the, concerning owe no man anything. The commentator said this, some take this as a command to never borrow. But Jesus permitted borrowing in passages like Matthew 5.42. That isn't the sense of what Paul is saying here, though the Scriptures do remind us of the danger and obligations of of borrowing, okay? 
So what he's saying here is, you know, Jesus does not condemn all borrowing. In fact, what does Matthew 5.42 say? Jesus teaches here, here, Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Does that sound like a condemnation of borrowing? Not at all. That's Jesus talking about it. So again, let me make it clear. The problem isn't necessary borrowing per se, as long as you can afford it. Now, again, and, and you need to make sure it is wise. that you, you know, if, if, Is there a better way you could have done that? But it is wrong, and it does create financial anxiety when you not necessarily borrow, but you just buy this, you can't afford this, you buy this, you can't afford that, and you want a, a fancier car than what you can afford, and you take a vacation that you can't afford, and it all adds up, and then you do owe people. You're behind in your payments to them. Now, again, if I could quote Ramsey, he lists some reasons people stay in debt. You know, and I, there are reasons that people get in debt and they stay in debt. And I think he makes some good points here. I mean, they're not good points. They're reasons people give. They're not good reasons, but they're reasons. Number one, they want to keep up appearances. This is the dreaded keeping up with the Joneses mentality. He says the Joneses are the most broke people in their neighborhood. Are the Joneses here this morning? We're not saying they're the most broke people in the neighborhood, but that's what Ramsey says. It's, sometimes it doesn't pay to be Joneses, does it? The Joneses are the most pe- broke people in the neighborhood, and if you're trying to follow their example, you'll be following them into bankruptcy if you're not careful. So why do people get into debt and stay in debt? Because they want to keep up appearances. Sometimes they are simply, number two, unwilling to sacrifice. He says, how can you possibly give up eating out three nights a week? Or what would your life look like without cable? Oh, <laughs> you'll never know until you're willing to give up those things in order to build a legacy for your future. Number three, he says, reasons people stay in debt, they fear change. This is odd, but debt can feel comfortable. Kind of like slowly cooking in a pot of boiling water. You've got to be careful about how comfortable you get in your debt. Number four, he says, some people stay in debt because they're simply addicted to stuff. In other words, they've brought the myth that you are what you own and they simply can't get enough. The more they have, the more powerful and confident they feel, but it's all a fraud. The fifth reason, he says, people stay in debt is they don't know how. These people have good intentions. They want to kick debt to the curb, but they don't know how. They've been in debt so long that getting out under a pile of $50,000 in credit card bills seems impossible. They don't know how. If you will sign up for this Dave Ramsey, this is a commercial. If you will sign up for this Dave Ramsey course, he will show you how, okay? And no matter how big a debt you are in right now, I think you will be surprised as to how quickly you can get out of debt. I'm not talking days or weeks, but months, maybe sometimes two or three years. But you can go from being $20,000 in credit card debt to having $5,000 in the bank in a a much uh, uh, shorter time. But you need to be taught how. And that's why I am promoting this series. He will teach you how. And he's kind of a motivational type speaker. And it's it's not smoke and mirrors, folks. When you see it, it is so simple. It is, it is just, it is just common sense um, principles and biblical principles that you can follow. And then number six, we talked about this last week. One of the reasons people don't get out of debt is simply they are lazy. 
they are lazy. So when you live beyond your means, you are going to find yourself in debt, and you're going to find yourself experiencing the anxiety and the problems that come with being in financial debt. So you want to get out of debt? The best place to start, it's where Ramsey starts, it's where I start, is in the Bible. And you'll remember in our first message, we taught this. You must have a Bible philosophy of money. You should strive not to be rich or poor. You should be content with what things God has given you. That's the first Bible principle. If you understand that, that's going to help tremendously. And then the second principle we covered last week was you must work hard. You must work hard. You cannot be lazy. You cannot be untrustworthy. You you have to have character and diligence, and the Lord will bless you. Today, though, we're going to focus on, in these closing few minutes, on, again, Proverbs 23. Let's read them again, because it's talking about having the opportunity to go to a ruler's house. The implication is he is wealthy, wealthy enough to have these dainties, Things that you don't have at home, but you get there and say, oh, that is so cool. That is so nice. And for the most part, it's talking about food here, but it could apply to anything that this rich man might have. And you start desiring them. I had the privilege one time when I was living down in Louisiana on staff at Central Baptist Church, uh, the, the pastor there was somewhat involved in politics and whatever and got to know the Republican governor at, at the state at, the t- at that time. And we got invited to the governor's mansion for lunch. Yes, we did. The governor's mansion. And uh, I was able to go, and I had to watch and see what everybody else was doing, make sure I used the right fork and not the wrong fork and whatever. But, I mean, you look around, you say, whoa, this is nice. You know, the governor's mansion down in Louisiana, I mean, it's a big, beautiful, it's a plantation-style home, these big uh, columns out front and everything. It was quite an honor to be there. But if you weren't careful, you'd be thinking, man, I could get used to this. I need me one of these mansions right here myself. You know? And you might be t- tempted, your eyes get big, and you think, this is where it's at, and this is, this is what I need. And we are warned against that kind of thinking when you go to a ruler's house. Proverbs 23, let's look at it again. When thou sittest to eat with a ruler, consider diligently what is before thee, and put a knife to thy throat, if thou be a man given to appetite. Be not desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meat. Labor not to be rich, cease from thine own wisdom. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings, they fly away as an eagle toward heaven. Eat thou not the bread of him that hath an evil eye, neither desire thou his dainties. This is a warning to control your materialistic appetite. The warning says, if thou be a man given to appetite, and some people are, some maybe more so than others, you'll have to examine yourself. Are you one that's kind of a sucker for got to have it, got to keep up? Appetite here is dealing with your desires. A man that's given to appetite means he's prone to excess. He's, He's prone to want more than what he can really afford. He's always wanting more. It's kind of like an undisciplined. It's kind of like a, a spoiled child. Really, it's similar to that. It's in reference to an out-of-control appetite for dainties. Uh, he says, be not desirous of his dainties. The dainties are the, 
the luxuries of, of the rich. That's affordable only to the rich. In this case, affordable to rulers. Dainties are expensive things that are in contrast to what God tells us. Having food and raiment, therefore be content. The dainties are in contrast to what the Lord teaches us. Dainties can be expensive food, as is the case here. But today it can be expensive cars, clothes, houses. And what does he tell us? He warns us. He warns us, don't desire them. And he says, take whatever measures are necessary. It's just a figure of speech. He said, but if you want to put a knife to your throat. In other words, do whatever you have to do to resist the temptation. You know, and we live in a day and age with commercials. You know, the commercials tell you, you've got to have it. And your life will not be what it ought to be until you get it. And we will give it to you at an interest rate that you can afford. And then the next commercial will tell you the next thing. And the next commercial will tell you the next thing. And before you know it, you are a person given to appetite. You are a person that's falling victim to dainties. I mean, the Bible here says, look, this is such a serious problem with some people that put a knife to your throat. And not literally, but the idea is take whatever steps are necessary to make sure that you don't give in to your materialistic appetite. He gives three reasons as to why you should control your appetite for luxuries. Let's look at them. Number one, he says, riches are deceitful. You think that's what you need. You think that luxury items, not something you have to have. You have to have food, yes. You have to have raiment, yes. And we would throw in shelter, yes. But you don't have to have the fanciest food. You don't have to have the fanciest clothes. You don't have to have the most expensive house. The Bible says if you've got those things, be content. Because riches are deceitful. It doesn't produce what you think it's going to produce. Proverbs 23.3, he warns us, be not desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meat. You think if you acquire that, your life will be better. You think you will be satisfied. You think they will satisfy you, but they don't. In fact, the more you satisfy your appetite with these luxuries, the greater your appetite grows. And if we're not careful, we can all be prone to wanting more. I've told this story before, but it's been a long time. Probably most of you in here haven't heard it. But back when I was working at a church down in Baton Rouge, and I was uh, coaching and principal of the school, <coughs> uh, we had a, uh, a guy on staff named Bill. And Bill uh, was from Mobile, Alabama. He was teaching in our Christian school. His dad was a, at least in, in Mobile, a famous heart surgeon. Had a, a clinic there, his own heart clinic, uh, Dr. Atkinson. And uh, Bill uh, told us guys on staff, he says, you want to go to Mobile, Alabama uh, on, on Saturday? And we said, yeah, what for? He says, we'll, we'll take my dad's catamaran out. He said, it is a big catamaran sleeps, I don't know, eight, has a galley and everything. It's a big, fancy, beautiful boat. And, you know, I'm thinking, okay, cool. That'd be fun. He said, we'll go out in Mobile Bay, and we'll sail around uh, Mobile Bay. He said, I called Dad, and he said, we can, we can take it out. So 
me and Bill and Sharon Al Bartlett, and I don't remember who all else went. You didn't go, did you? Good thing. It was the most boring day of my life. I'm sitting on a sailboat, and you go this way, then you go this way, then you go this way. What the point was, I don't know. But when we got there, and we walk up to that catamaran and say, wow, this is cool. This is, look at this thing. This thing's huge. You go down in it, walk around, sleeping quarters, sleeping berths, and the galley over here and all this kind of stuff. You know, I'm starting to feel pretty good. Like, this is my lifestyle here, this catamaran. This, this, is, this, is, this is it. So we get on and we start sailing out of the harbor. And I'm looking down at all the little fishing boats, and I wanted to be sure I was seen by the guys that were down in those fishing boats, that I was on the big catamaran. You know, thinking that, you know, luxury, this is, this is the life. Until this huge cabin cruiser came by and the people on there were looking down at me. That's the point. It doesn't satisfy. It's never enough. You, you can never have enough. That's the deceitfulness of riches. That, riches. That's why 1 Timothy 6, 8 says, having food and raiment, let us be there with content. Isn't that victory in life when you're just content? You know, it doesn't mean you can't have some desires or some goals. We're, we're not suggesting. The, the idea is that that should not consume you. That should not be the controlling factor of your life. God is the controlling factor of your life. And if he blesses you with something special, and he has with people in this room, there's folks in this room that, in ble- that are blessed. Hey, look, don't feel guilty about that. God's given that to you. But these are people, that's not their number one desire in life. Their number one desire in life is to love the Lord and, and serve the Lord. And they've been good with their finances. They've been good with their money. And God has blessed them with things. So again, that's not to put anybody that God has blessed on a guilt trip. Again, that's that's a nuance of of what we're talking about here. But it is warning about thinking that's where it's at. Riches is where it's at. And if I had riches, and there are people that give their whole lives to riches, they don't go to church on Sunday because they got to work, and they don't give on Sunday because they got to pay. And they're never satisfied. They're never happy. So understand, riches are deceitful. Number two, he warns us here that riches can be easily lost. Verse number 4 and 5, Labor not to be rich, cease from thine own wisdom. Wilt thou set thine eyes on that which is not? And it's not real. It's, For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. Riches can be lost. They, they can be lost suddenly. Think about it. Riches can be stolen They can be mishandled. They can be lost in war. They can be lost as a result of a bad business deal. They can be lost in a bad economy. They can be lost in a natural disaster. There's all sorts of ways that that stuff can be taken away through you. They they can be lost through uh, gambling or through some other addiction. There's so many ways that those things can be just temporary at best. Any of you guys, probably guys, maybe some ladies here, remember the baseball player, pro baseball player, Lenny Dykstra? I read about him that, you know, after his Major League Baseball career, his net worth was listed at $58 million after his pro baseball career and some investments that he made. But it says that in 2009, Dykstra, claiming to be a victim of mortgage fraud, lost his house to foreclosure, and uh, it was an 18... $0.5 million home that he lost, the foreclosure. It says he filed for bankruptcy, listing less than $50,000 in assets. 
But Bob, get this. But 10 to $50 million in liabilities. In fact, he was sentenced to six and a half months in prison for bankruptcy fraud, concealment of assets, and money laundering. There's a perfect example of a guy that at one time was worth $58 million. And then he's owing 10 to $50 million and spend times in prison. That's why Matthew 6.19 says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. So riches are deceitful. Riches can be easily lost. And lastly, number three, this passage teaches us, riches can be used to ensnare you into unwanted debt by unscrupulous people. Riches can be used to ensnare you into unwanted debt by unscrupulous people. It says in verses 6 and 7, Eat thou not the bread of him that hath an evil eye. Okay? Someone has an evil eye towards you. Someone is going to try to take advantage of you. Neither desire thou his dainty meats. Here, you can have this. You can afford this. Just sign on the dotted line. You know there's, you know, not all salespeople by any means, but you know there are many unscrupulous salespeople that'll try to get you to buy something that you, they know you can't afford. There, there was a brief time when I, I uh, was uh, not in ministry there in Chicago, lived in Rockford, Illinois, and uh, I had to somehow try to make a living for my family. We were unemployed for, I don't know, three months, six months. Uh, Pastor Paul Kingsbury let us stay there in a parsonage at the church, and uh, I, I, I had, you know, I'm looking for anything to try to put some food on the table and had the opportunity to sell vacuum cleaners. What's the big old vac? Were they Kirby? Is that the big? I said, yeah. And, you know, I, they, they would give you the sales pitch and whatever. I, I think I gave two sales pitches, and I thought, these people can't afford this vacuum cleaner. Now, an unscrupulous salesperson is going to try to sell it anyway. I couldn't do it. You know, I'd be talking to some little old lady, and she had a perfect little vacuum cleaner there that worked just fine. And I said, no, I, I, I can't do this. But my point is, I'm not patting myself on the back. That's just me. I couldn't do it. There, there are people that will sell you the London Bridge if they can get your money in their pocket. And that's what this is talking about here. Eat thou not the bread of him that hath an evil eye, neither desire thou his dainty meats. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he, this evil man. Eat and drink, saith to thee, but his heart is not with thee. For some reason, this evil man is using these dainties to take advantage of you. He is not thinking of you. And all of these commercials you see on TV and all of these sales pitches for you to buy this or buy that is often done by people who don't care about your pocketbook. They just care about their pocketbook. And that's not every salesman. Don't, don't get me wrong. There's, thank the Lord for... for Trustworthy people, trustworthy salespeople. Some people will use dainties to entrap you. They'll encourage you to buy something you can't afford. And then you have a problem. Proverbs 22, 7. The rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. When you borrow what you cannot afford, you are a servant to that. He's going to pull your strings. 
And that's a situation you don't want to get in. So again, perhaps you're in financial debt up to your ears. The good news is God's given you some principles. Now that they've been taught from this pulpit, you can begin to apply them. For some real practical help, you can take this Dave Ramsey. And I'm not suggesting that everybody signs up for that class is in financial trouble. I'm sure there's going to be people that sign up for the class that are, that are interested, that do a good job, but want to do a better job. So by signing up, we're not assuming that, you know, everybody that signs up is in financial trouble. I won't make that assumption. I don't want you to make that assumption either. I think people that sign up, whether you're in financial trouble or not, you're doing okay. I think you're wise to do that. But we learned this morning to be careful. Riches are deceitful. And that's materialism. In general. Riches could be, you know, toys, you know, whatever, not just money. Riches can be easily lost. And riches can ensnare you in unwanted debt. So very quickly, what's the application? What do we learn from this this morning? Because it's not enough for me just to get up here and say, look, it's a trouble to, to, to get in debt. Let me give you three things real quick. Ramsey will give you a lot more in this course. Number one, determine to live within your means. Just determine to live. If you can't afford it, you're not going to get it. You're going to wait. You're going to save up for it. There may be the right time for you to get that. It just might not be now. Number two, make a budget and stick with it. Know where your money's coming from, but more important than that, know where it is going. Have a budget and stick with it. And number three, start giving to God what is rightfully His. Because He is not going to bless you trying to get out of debt if you're cheating Him. And you need His help. You need His blessings. And if you are not giving to God as the Bible encourages and teaches us and commands us to do, You can't go to him for help. And let me tell you, if you're in financial trouble right now, then you need his help. And you can do that. Some people think, well, I can't start giving to God. No, that's where you start. The the Bible says give the first fruits. You know, you don't don't wait till later. And, And he will help you work out of that bad situation. He goes, as your pastor, I have no joy in knowing that you might be having problems in your life or in your marriage because of the quibbling that's occurring because you're in debt. And she says it's his fault. He says it's her fault. And the arguments are endless and they're only growing worse. That grieves me. I'm here to help. I'm on your side. Let's stop the finger pointing. Let's decide that we're going to follow God's principles. Let's decide we're going to do what the Bible says to do. And you'll find yourself in an unbelievable situation. And just not too long a matter of time. Once you understand practical steps and you're given the encouragement to move forward. And then you find yourself better off financially. And not only is the anxiety and the weight of the world lifted off your shoulders. But you're in a position to be generous to others. As well as you're giving to the church. We'll close with this. One quote from Billy Graham, and I'm quoting Billy Graham because I think he's got it right. He says, if a person gets his attitude towards money right, it will help straighten out almost every other area in his life. And that would include giving to God, which is in your best interest. You see, God blesses his church 
through you. Do you understand the federal government doesn't send us a check every month, nor does the state or the county? If God is going to bless, he's got to bless through you. Okay? That's how, that's how it works. For him to bless the church, he has to bless you first. And I want the church blessed, and I want you blessed, and that's a win-win situation. But when you're withholding from God, he's not going to bless you. He's not going to do it. He can't, that just wouldn't be right. No, no, your, your, your word tells us to be generous. Your, your word tells us to give. But, and you justify it by thinking you can't. And what you're saying is, I don't trust God. You're saying that that's, we're getting to the heart of the issue. So, determine to live in your means, make a budget and stick with it, start giving to God what is rightfully his, and I, I can promise you, I started to hold back on saying promise, but I, I can promise you, if you do, if you follow Bible principles, you will get to a place that you probably only thought somebody else could possibly get to and not you financially, but you can get there. As we stand